All right, we are recording. So this is Empires of the Future, and um, hope you enjoyed the um, last week's episode. Was really uh, last two weeks ago when we when we talked was a really interesting uh, conversation. Yep. So I appreciated that. Um, hopefully that was helpful for people talking about pornography and the impacts of pornography. And uh, I think we've had two really good conversations. The Taliban one was good as well. Yeah, and so really enjoyed it. Uh, but big issue that maybe is. Um, something that most people are maybe not aware of, especially if you're not working with college students or been on a college campus in a while, but there's a lot of girls. <laughs> there are, you know, the, uh, <laughs> so the topic today uh, is why fewer men are going to college. Um, and since you are a college minister, have been now for how many years? Uh, if you include my time with crew. I will. Uh, I have been doing college ministry for 11 years. All right. So there you go. Yeah, and um, so I'm old enough now that uh, 20 years ago when I started youth ministry, uh, especially in my small town, kind of college was not necessarily uh, – it was just like, I don't know, we're college students. I guess they're adults, so we'll just tell them to go to church, and we don't really – you know, and so I literally, I mean, I was, uh, I remember when youth group time sort of came to an end, I was devastated. It's only been, you know, a couple of years and I didn't want to leave. I really loved it. And um, so I did hang around and uh, had to go into like leadership and helping. Uh, and that was sort of the transition for me to ministry in that way. And so uh, I've been working with college students because I, my first experience uh, in youth ministry involved college ministry as well, being at my local junior college, uh, Southeastern Illinois College and outside of Harrisburg, Illinois, and uh, we had all kinds of different uh, Bible studies. We had a kind of a junior Baptist collegiate ministry going on that we had there, and uh, so all kinds of things. Um, and just like you said, uh, anecdotally, you, you can't help but notice that there are more women than men at yes. college, and now we have numbers. We have we have interesting numbers to, to report, and... And I liked how the article was just it wasn't simply here's some facts, here's some numbers. It was a very long article. It gave you a lot of reasons right. for why this trend uh, has been happening over several years, right? This right. is not something oh, like yeah. all of a sudden it's arrived, but it's been going on for several years where there are a lot more women uh, on American campuses uh, getting college degrees and very, very from. For, few men and also very few men that are actually even applying to go to college right. in comparison to women so uh and that will have and we guess we'll talk about that have a lot of impacts in other areas of industry yes um and so i guess we'll just dive right into this and obviously i, I you know i didn't talk about this i wrote my dissertation a lot on, was on college ministry um primarily and and talked about um like degrees and and what students are studying currently and there is a lot more students that are that are studying STEM majors, right? But also health-related majors, which goes into the issue we're talking about. A lot more women are on campuses, so therefore colleges are offering a lot more health-related fields and education-related sure. fields because those are the typical fields that women typically go into. Sure. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, there's plenty of sociological research behind that, that, for instance, uh, women... Uh, have a much stronger tendency towards something like nursing, right. uh, care-related uh, fields. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, this is a trend that nobody expects to 
lessen. They expect this trend to deepen. So mm-hmm. in the next few years, it's expected that uh, there will be two women for every one man. Because uh, the, the number uh, that we were given here is at the close of the 2020 to 21 academic year, uh, women made up uh, 59.5% of college students and men 40.5%. So basically, we're, we're operating at a 60-40 yeah. right now. Especially, you know, if you want to give like a historical just horizon on this, that there was a time mm-hmm. in Britain and the United States that it was just white men that sure. went to college, sure. that went to universities, right? And... Uh, you know, all your kind of Greek fraternities, they all started somewhere and they started in this, the British and, and of course, American uh, college uh, structure came from the British, yep. Cambridge, Oxford, this type of thing. Um, and and so men are the ones, who, mostly wealthy white men would go, would send their sons to college, right? Yep. A lot of, you know, you have even like, we, we like to we'll talk about presidents, but like the Adams John Adams sent his boys to Harvard, right? Because right, right. he went to Harvard. Well, the poor farmer is not sending his son to Harvard right. in the 18th century, uh, and that was pretty. That was a pretty common um, pattern up until what the 20th century that more women started to have opportunities to go to college, right. um, and especially after World War II, when the GI Bill was given, a lot more poor men and women, especially right. men, were able to go to college because the because the government provided that right. as a as a benefit from serving in the war. And so that's when universities really grew and got bigger. But primarily, men are the ones that went to college. Right, and that's going to intersect uh, with what we're talking about today uh, in the sense that, you know, if we had been alive uh, back, say, right after World War II, and you're talking about the GI Bill, um, the, the simple idea was, well, we need to educate men. Our men are just going into jobs, uh, blue-collar working jobs. So we need to have a program where men go to college and yeah, learn. Right. And uh, and a lot of people took advantage of that. Now, where we are now is a very different situation in that uh, the, the data does not indicate that men are, A, necessarily fired up about college, mm-hmm. nor B... Uh, we're not, we don't have a story to tell you today that the trades are just exploding, doing great. Yeah. Uh, that skilled labor is up. And so that is the center of the concern. We should mention that this is uh, out of the Wall Street Journal from Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, that is the 6th mm-hmm. of September. And by Douglas Belkin. Yeah. Uh, it's called I Just Feel Lost, Young Men Abandon College. Um, and so... That that is that is the concern and, and why we're raising it. And you're going to see that um, unlike many social concerns, where you know, look, um, since the rise of social sciences, uh, we've become good at developing programs to address address issues. But there are some particularly challenging elements to addressing this program, and that's what we're going to see. Yeah, uh, as we look at this, I think it's interesting. You have this stat here. Um... 1.5 million fewer students compared with five years ago. So th- you see that there are less students in yep. general right. going to campus. So this is a bigger issue that, yes, women are making up more of the student body. However, there are less students in general. Um, so that that will come into play as we talk more about this. I think that this is a shared view amongst both genders yep. about the value of college education. Um, but men accounted for 71% of the decline. And that is so significant. Right, right. And so um, 
so I, numbers like this always just make my head go what but the simplest way to state that is um, yes the pandemic is a part of this uh, but over the last five years where I would say trust in colleges has been eroding uh, so for every 10 people who uh, have dropped uh, that of the, uh, those 1.5 million seven of them are men Every ten, seven of them. Are men. So, uh, so the the not only are men applying less, mm -hmm. uh, the the numbers are skewing. Uh, fewer and fewer men, mm -hmm. even compared to women, are going. And so, I'm sure um, you know, uh, probably very few people who listen to this are college administrators. I'm sure this has been on the radar of college administrators. And then they really explain that well in the article, right? Because uh, that is. Uh, that is a significant uh, problem if you are losing people in general, but if you are losing men at this yes. rate. Yes, very and do, I don't, you know, um, I found it interesting, and I mean, we'll get to it hopefully maybe a little bit later, that it's not just all men, but it's primarily white sure. men. Sure, yeah, there are programs um, more to uh, engage with minorities, minorities yeah. so, you know, uh, and, and to... You know, look, I mean, interest groups. Right, uh, and, right. and And so, yes, in particular, white men are. Now, I, don't, I think USI probably has one, but I know the University of Tennessee, we had a um, African-American or, or black cultural center, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, it was like a building on campus. And so you're right. Like There are like minority groups that schools are really giving money and providing support. But white men have been kind of like, well, and I think you'll, we'll find out as we talk more that they have been kind of categorized as the privileged group and so therefore are not given any type of assistance in any way. Sure. You know, and, and so what's interesting about this, there's, there's a lot of levels to this. Um, and to me, a part of what is going on here is this is indicative of uh, a large um, motivation problem mm -hmm. that we have nationwide and so when you have a nationwide motivation problem and then you also have programs to assist certain groups well if if that is true if that conclusion is true well then it, may, it would make sense that any group that doesn't have special uh, encouragement or assistance is, is going to show up less right um but but that would be uh somewhere i want to get as far as uh, there's a lot of, I think, elements that come into this, but uh, the, the question of why go to college is a reasonable question, given all that we know. Yep. And uh, not only is that a reasonable question, it seems that a lot of uh, young men are going, yeah, I've never heard a good answer to this question, so I'm not going. Yeah, I, I think you, as we read this, like, and, I, and as I was reading this article, I'm like, I hope they get to, like, why this is, why this trend is being, is true. Like, what... What are the reasons that are that are being discussed? And I think that is one of the big ones that does come up is, is there value? Uh -huh. Because it is expensive. Like college is more expensive now than it was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so with skyrocketing cost, you have to ask yourself, is there a value? Is, is, when you think of opportunity cost, is, is there any value spending all this money, going to all this debt right. to get a degree that I could have just gone to work and made money and not had the debt? And actually, after a few years of work, I'll probably make just as much as someone getting out of college or actually maybe even more. Right. And, and you know, so the first, um, the first kind of finger I would like to point 
is that uh, this is a bit of an indictment on colleges um, producing degrees and establishing degree programs that they know will not lead to any kind of meaningful employment. Right. Um, that's that's a big problem and one that um, that is true of many colleges of establishing degree programs that uh, you're not going to be able to get a job to pay back this money, so you will inevitably be in debt. Uh, and and you know, uh, gender studies is a good example. Sure. Um, a lot majors. of these sociological sure, uh, liberal arts majors, especially, right. yeah, yeah, it, it, it's. In any degree program, wherever you fall on what you think about any of these issues, it is incumbent upon you as a student to find a desirable outcome in a job because it is in the interests of the college to keep you there. Right. They get their money right. semester by semester. Right. Um, and, and it is to some degree in their interest for you to graduate. But really, uh, employment... You know, I mean, it's very easy for them to write it off and say, look, you picked the major. It's not our fault. Yeah. But keep in mind that uh, colleges are very much businesses. And so um, the way this is presented, and part of this is the way that we, I think, have presented it is is, uh, is wrong in, in this sort of like self-fulfillment angle only that, look, find what you enjoy and then do it. Well, listen, you're not going to enjoy being poor right. your whole life. And you're not going to enjoy being in debt. Debt Make stress for every other level of your life. Because keep in mind, you're going to leave college in debt likely, but it's not like more debt isn't coming. More right. debt is coming. You're going to buy, hopefully you buy a house or right. you buy a car that right. you don't have enough money to pay for. So you, or you have a credit card, which, right. I mean, just watch television. They right. definitely want you to own one of those plastic cards right. at an interest rate yep. that they particularly uh, want you to charge that card with and you have to pay back. So, yeah, there's a lot of people competing for your debt or right. wanting to put you in debt. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. This is probably a deeper dive than what we have time for. But it's interesting how colleges even market themselves to prospective students as an experience, uh-huh. as a place to come to find yourself. Mm-hmm. The, I think in those particular things, is it, is, is it valuable to spend all that money just to find yourself or to find your friends or to find a, uh, even a married, to find a partner to marry. Right. Or is it vocational training? And the reason why, because I, I think we can go even to more in detail on this is that historically colleges have been led by faculty. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go to a, we went to a seminary that is very much led by faculty, right? Yeah. It's not led by administrators. Right. I mean, Dr. Moeller leads the school and the faculty have a lot of power in directing the school. Right. So it's a very faculty-centric school. Right. And you can uh, tell even by the, the value, I think, that we could probably uh, speak to the value of our education is like we definitely receive tools because the faculty led the school. Yeah. A lot of colleges are administrative ran. That's right. And therefore not run by faculty. And therefore the academic pursuits and the pursuit of, of uh, vocational training yeah. is left kind of on a back burner to just a – a, an experience for an individual to find themselves or make friends or whatever it is. That's right. I mean, it's it's a commercial enterprise centered sure. around selling an experience. Right. To, you know, look, I mean, as a, as a first in my family to graduate college, um, most of us who come out of a small town do not know what we're doing in right. choosing a college. Sure. And that means it's, uh, 
it's an easy sell from the standpoint of, well, we want to sell you that this is a fun place. Like you said, we'll, you'll find yourself here. You'll make friends. You'll meet someone that, you know, helps you in your life. You'll have meaningful discussions. Well, look, I get that, but uh, this is this enterprise um, coming coming out now of a lot more education than I thought I would go through. <laughs> um, you can get this idea that well, you've got Harvard and Princeton and yep. Yale, and then yep. and then it just goes down from there. Right, no, right, look, right. Uh, the, those institutions are. Uh, are training the ruling class of right. this country. That's right. Uh, if you get into There's a reason those, why presidents of the United States and senators all go to Ivy League schools. Right. Right. Uh, the the lines of connection begin there to get you to places like the Attorney General and exactly. the Wall Speaker Street, of the House. And, and, you know, yeah, and, absolutely. And depending on your uh, abilities, in some cases, not necessarily. If you have a dream to be a clerk of a Supreme Court justice, I, you better get into an Ivy League school. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Knock on the door at Yale because yeah. it's a very important <laughs> place for you to get connected. The gatekeepers then, of society. But then, meanwhile, to an kind of uh, an uneducated uh, person about college, you're hoping to get educated even in what college is and what your field is. But right. if you don't know, well, then all they are needing to do is to give you an excuse to show up at their school. I mean, exactly. these, even the idea of acceptance letters. Exactly. There's a, a lot of these schools that we deal with in, in this region. We're in the Midwest. We're in Evansville, Indiana, and, and most of the schools in this region, the story is it, they accept everybody who's got the money. Exactly. Uh, so or you can get a loan. Right. But meanwhile, we're still doing this. Why, why are we still doing this idea of acceptance? Well, because we want to make you feel like you've done something. You've, you've yeah, we want to something. affirm you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so, again, just to, what this means is um, you have a commercial enterprise dominated by an administration that is then self-propagating. Yes. We want more administrators, more people to connect you. We want to build a, a large welcome center so that as soon as you come here, you feel like you're in an important place. Exactly. First experience. Yeah, you're, yes. That's, I think that's really, yeah, I think that's really great. I, I was thinking about this while you were talking and you brought in the welcome center, but I wanted to add another element to this. So if you go to a bigger school that has like sports, right? Mm -hmm. So if you went to the University of Tennessee like me, or you, mm -hmm. I know this because I, I read about this at the University of Florida State University, which was, you know, Florida State Seminoles, big football school, okay. they start their like student tour at the football stadium. Right. Because they're, they're selling the experience. That's Come right. to this school, great football. Okay. Uh, you'll have this experience, yep. uh, blah, 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 blah. And the educational element comes much later, yep. right? And they want to sell the experience to the parents yep. and, to the, and to the kid. Yep. And and that's where they hook and sink you. And I think, I think what we're seeing is, is that, and I don't want to go, I don't have any data to be able to run off this, but, you know, I would assume that some some men, especially white men now, are going, I don't know if that's worth the money. I can just go work at Amazon or go work at Coke. I think that's one of the one of the people mentioning. I can go unload pl uh, pallets of Coca-Cola for 20 bucks an hour, and I don't really have to, to pay all this money or get a loan to... I don't know if I, I see the value in more education. Yep. And so, yeah. Yeah, so there, and there's a general cynicism, but that, that suspicious element... Yeah, um, I think it's huge. ...is warranted. I think in, so. ...in a lot of cases. And the system, uh, we you know, you've heard for years that uh, schools, uh, the, the price is going uh, up very quickly. Uh, if you were to talk to someone who 40 years ago went 
to college, you did not have to take out uh, so many loans right. that would keep you in debt. I mean, I know, I know minister friends who are still in debt 20 years later for going to college. I know uh, it's easy to get a mm-hmm. lot of debt oh, yeah. in college that can dominate your life, and that's not been the case um, for a long time. Uh, that's that's grown exponentially in the last 30 to 40 years, um, especially as what you talked about. We shifted trying to steer as many people as we could towards college and sold it as the path to success. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then, um, once you've been told, I mean, imagine if somebody told you this store, not only does this store have the goods, this store is the best way to stay alive, to make yeah. it. Yeah, this, yeah. So you, you want to go to that store. Right. I mean, that's what college has been sold as right, for right. the better part of, say, 70 years now. Right. And, and getting that certificate or getting that d- degree is like the golden ticket, right? Mm-hmm. To the American dream. Sure. If you don't have that golden ticket, it's going to be much harder yeah. to get to that American dream. But I think what's ended up happening is, is that universities are, again, marketing this experience but yet they know that there is no money back guarantee on this plan. They can give you that degree and you can come back five years later like, hey, I'm not making any more money than the guy who didn't go to college. I want my money back. Yep. They're not getting the money back. Right. So what does the university have to, I mean, why are they incentivized to then create an, a, create an experience that is not about experience, it's about actual vocational training or right. learning. Right. And if that were the case, then maybe the maybe it would be more challenging to get into college for some people, um, but maybe the value would go up. Right, and so we've laid a lot of the blame at the feet of college administrators, and there's uh, blame to be laid there, but uh, there is blame to go around. Sure. We are creating a group of people who we we train in this mindset of uh, years and years and years of school, where you do work that nobody wants. No, nobody wants to read these papers about Macbeth or whatever. Yeah. They're, they're, these have been written a thousand times before. They're of no value to anybody. We, we have trained this attitude, and we carry it on and carry it on and carry it on. And I do not think we should be surprised that you can end up uh, with an unmotivated group of people who went, look, I've been doing things that I don't particularly want to do for almost 20 years of my life, and and I'm now I'm in a job that I'm not excited about. Right. Um, so that the outcomes of this, uh, we, we have a disconnect between what really I, I believe is human nature and what we are producing through our methods. And that's part of the problem too. Um, and, and when you have these divergent paths, it seems to me that we're at a tipping point. Uh, and, and this is what's so discouraging is that we're, we're at a tipping point, but there are forces uh, that are at work to say, well, I don't even know if we should address this tipping point. Because the last mm. thing to say that is kind of a, another uh, another nail in the coffin or another uh, peg to knock down men is that not only do men not show up more, not only have men declined uh, precipitously in the last five years, uh, after six years of college, uh, he says, uh, quote, 65% of women in the U.S. started, uh, in the U.S. who started a four-year university uh, in 2012 received diplomas by 2018 compared to 59% of men during the same period. So so basically, um, the idea here is if you start college and you haven't finished within six years, 
You won't finish. You won't finish. Right. Um, look, there are people who do, but statistically, yeah. and, and most people who have experienced college, I got out in five years. Uh, I had some waywardness. But you you realize we're at that five-year mark. I need to get out of here. Yeah, right. I need to finish this thing up because right. this thing is dragging on. Right. Um, and so 65% of women have finished by six years versus 59% of men. And, and that so, number will continue to go the opposite direction. Probably so. Yeah. Separation will continue, yeah, um, and and I, and I, I you know, uh, and you yeah, you have right here even the even to a point where not only are more women on campus, not only are women graduating, but also more women are applying right than men, and and so you just um, it just it seems like there's even some uh, men who are graduate getting ready to graduate from high school going like you know what I don't even want to apply, I don't even want to go through the application process. Right. I'm basically writing this whole thing off, um, and um, and so I'm just going to go work, and I'm not even, or I'm going to go to trade school, or whatever it is, but I'm not even going to consider a uh, four-year college or even a two-year right. associate's uh, degree whatsoever. So, um, and I think that, that that number will continue to, again, I think you'll see more women applying and less men applying mm-hmm. as this goes. But as you as, as we get in this article gets into, though, is, Colleges want men to be there. They want more men to be there. And so they want to boost male attendance and, and male enrollment, but there's a little bit of a problem with kind of the, I guess maybe you, all, you explain it, because I think it's fascinating where we are because it's, this, this story is happening in a, in a season of, of gender rights and gender inequality and, and so there's not a lot of sympathy, I suppose, right? So, yeah, and there is uh, – this as an issue doesn't raise uh, a lot of desire for support. Um, there are, as you said, there are not men's centers on campuses um, because 100 years ago this was an institution dominated by men. Mm-hmm. Um, and – I am sure that everyone hearing this has uh, a lot of ideas about why this is happening, and and you know what, there is a you you find in the course of this story there are a lot of questions that they have. They can't explain this. If yeah. you could explain it, if you could quantify you it, fix it, you might be able to do something yeah. about it. They're having a really hard time doing something yeah, about yeah, it. But yeah. this is what's so challenging is when they have attempted to bring it up. In a lot of cases immediately it's swatted down to say we're not going to, you know, men are excelling, uh, still more men are CEOs of companies and these sort of things. Why do we need to, uh, why do we need to help men when men have privilege? And look, men historically have experienced privileges. And and so the question, though, that's present here is, is it good for society as a whole that men are not doing well? Right. What does this lead to? I mean, in on another page in this very same newspaper, it uh, talks about how many college-educated women are deciding, well, I'm just going to go ahead and find a way to have a baby by myself. Mm. This, uh, this situation that I find myself in, I have not found a man that... I've connected with or who right. I feel worthy right. to right. have a child with. It's not happening. And I'm, you know, uh, the career path takes some time to get through, but right. the childbearing years are pretty much over by 40. Right. And so this, the lines of connection are not lining up. 
And that means uh, you're going to be dealing. I mean, write it down. I very much believe that since we've already had this cycle before, that 20 years from now, you're going to be reading stories about, wow, it turns out that as we have known for many years, uh, single parent homes don't do as well as uh, homes with a mother and a father in the home. Turns out, uh, who knows what you'll be reading in, in 20 years, but I can tell you that this, <laughs> as this empires has, of the future, we're, we're projecting. I tell you uh, <laughs> that you could read these stories for the last 20 years. Yes. I mean, look, I was born in 1980, which was one of the first eras where uh, coming out of the baby boomer generation, yep. where everybody went, you know what, free love will yep. save us. Yep. If we just stop all this repression, uh, then you know what, it would be better for everybody. Freedom and let everybody just live their life the way they want. And that's the idea in the 60s and the 70s. And the 80s are characterized by a generation of divorced yeah. uh, and, and broken families, of yeah. which I was one, mm -hmm. who experienced and noticed, hey, stable families are a big deal. Yeah, And went through life noticing that... Uh, Emotionally, financially, mm -hmm. the resources that you gain mm -hmm. through having a mm -hmm. two-parent family that stay married. And incidentally, I mean, like, so th that's huge. And incidentally, this has not been forgotten. This is not lost upon Ivy League educated uh, people. Mm -hmm. That those marriages, though the financial means, doesn't necessarily mean that they're just enjoying their life together. They are much less likely to get divorced because right. they know how bad it is financially for right. them, right. how hard it is on their children. But yep. meanwhile, what you would see if you looked into the data of the last 50 years is that working class families divorce at a much higher rate and that it does create, uh, it leads to disadvantages in so many ways. And so that this drives, uh, it's in the background of, of a lot of what is popularly called uh, the 1% and how much of an advantage that the elites have well listen they have not forgotten the importance of marriage mm -hmm. but many working class people uh have have and and, and are struggling uh to keep this in mind and so we are doing this over again mm -hmm. uh, according to this article i mean you you literally can read uh, about many people going you know what i don't see i don't see marriage coming for me but i want to have a child Okay, well, yeah. I, I hope your child has a good life, but yeah. you can read the data, it harder. and the data is straightforward. Yeah, it, which leads into one of the other reasons presented here in the article for why white males or males in general are not pursuing college is laziness. Uh, it, you know, it quotes, including video games, pornography, increased fatherlessness, and in cases of overdiagnosis of boyhood restlessness and related medications. Sure. Um, and we talked about that last, you know, two weeks ago about just the failure, uh, just the, the failures of, of intimacy. And, and so all of these things are kind of leading together in this one sludge of, of stream, right? Uh, a river of sludge that there's a, there's a lot of problems, uh, especially with the male gender mm -hmm. in the current age. Uh, you have men who are addicted to pornography, addicted to time-wasting vices, I guess is probably a good way to say it. And I know you're a video game guy, and I think anytime you see this, you're like, okay, they're 
throwing things at the video game people again. Like, we're to blame for all the problems in malehood because we have video games, which that's not the problem. Moderation. Like, people aren't sure. moderating their entertainment and what they, what they consume. They're just basically saying, I want to do this my entire, every minute, every hour of my day, and I really don't want to be out in actual society, and I don't want to better the rest of the world through right. my mind and through my work. I just want to right. and escape. Sooner or later, we're going to need to do a podcast explicitly on video games because there has been um, an explosion in, uh, in, in video games, in what I call micro-entertainment, ways that video games are designed to keep you engaged and involved right. in them. Um, for, for those who, like me, grew up playing Donkey Kong or Super Mario Brothers, those games were designed with the expectation that you would play them for approximately 30 minutes a session. Yeah. Um, most games, uh, well, uh, the larger games now uh, are designed to expect you to play hours, right. certainly hours right. per session with, right. uh, with uh, the, the design to keep you for hundreds of hours. And this is not, this is not that there's one game out there like this. This is... Uh, Almost every game aspires to this now, and not only that, uh, that that would be what you, you could you could kind of summarize that by calling those triple A games. But then there are filler games that <laughs> will still let you play for thirty minutes at a time. Um, games have proliferated at a rate that that if if people are not into video games, you you have no idea because everything from your your phone to the new consoles that are coming out, PC games, um, games have continued to expand. And, and that is why, I mean, on this issue, I go, you know, look, uh, hobbies are hobbies. And so games are still a hobby. And any hobby, I mean, we all know uh, men in particular who can spend unbelievable amounts of time fishing and under sure. this little amount sure. of money on a fishing yeah, boat or absolutely. whatever. Or on, you know, Golf. any number. Yeah, yeah, yeah and sure. And so men have that. and that's But those that's, are more accepted, I yeah. think, amongst and, certain people. And, and they are social. You have to yes, get outside, and, and so there's something to be said Physical, in that regard yeah, that, sure. that we uh, that that you can't say for video games. So no, I mean, uh, it, it's one of those deals. I feel like an apologist for video games. And uh, yeah, so, so, this is what it is. But yeah, also, sure. I believe me, I know how dangerous and how life sucking. I mean, people have died sitting there playing World of Warcraft. It's They've crazy died. They have died because they didn't sleep. They and their hearts stop. It's crazy the that's things crazy. That, that happen, and that what we are capable of, um, and so so that's out there. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think that is a factor. I think it's. I mean, obviously, it's it's mentioned here, and I would agree. Even when I read it, I'm like, yeah, when is that going to show up in this article? As one of the reasons why less men are going to college, they're just like, I'd rather just be at home. I'd yeah. rather just do this or do that. Uh, I don't want the challenge. I don't want the labor. I don't want the stress. It's too difficult. Yeah. I, I just don't want to, even though I did well in high school, I don't really want to challenge myself and expand my, my knowledge in something. I can just get this job. I, I hear I can make enough money to buy a new video game, a new console, a new television when I need it. And I can just sit here and, and basically that's what I'll do. Right. And I think, and I, I remember before we even talked about this, other podcasts and other people are talking about this issue. One is, is Al Mohler, who's talked about this issue this week. And he mentions this as a, as a bad thing that less men are on, co- on campus or, on, or, or, or applying or, or, or going to college. Yeah. And while I agree if that is the reason, if the reason is because I'd rather just stay at home and play video games, yeah, I think that is a bad reason. But I think some of the other things we've talked about the value, the money. Yep. I think that is legitimate. Yes. And um, 
And I wanted to ask, and you have it on here, and I just went, I thought this was fascinating, and I just kind of like cringe when I read it. I actually started when I read it, but Baylor University mm-hmm. is this males and moms communication campaign. Yeah, this is what was one your of, thoughts when you read that? Oh, this is one of the um, the plans that has worked. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yes, Baylor, uh, it's as simple as this that when. When Baylor receives any kinds of indication that a, a young man may want to attend Baylor, they not only contact that young man, they get in contact with his mother, who is much more reliable in making sure that the high school transcripts get there, Correct. that the needed paperwork is filled out. You know, it's it's a shame, um, but I can I can tell you that uh, one of the things that I know is a struggle for parents um, is that. The, the unwillingness to let your son fail right holds him back right. a lot right um and you know uh, one of the only reasons that i was proactive about this kind of stuff as a person who hates paperwork um <laughs> is that from the start my parents told me i didn't really go to college i don't know how this is going to work so you better just sort it out right and i knew it's like i gotta do this yeah right. you know if i, I want to go I gotta figure this out. yeah <laughs> and and I, I and and it was clear from the start you know that that i would need to do that that i would need to figure out loans and and all these things that i had no idea how to do um and and so there, there is there are elements of this that um men men need to uh throw off their pride and get to work right. that is that is a part of this that we just have to say directly is that um we're going to need uh, men to act like men but one of the things going on both for men and for women is that this this thing that they used to call the success sequence that you finish in this order you finish high school you get a diploma you finish college you get married and then you have children. Mm-hmm. High school finished, college finished, married, have children. Right. You know, and then get, I'm sorry, get a job after college, get married, have children. That if you do these things in this sequence, then it, generally financially you're going to be able to manage the world as it stands. Right. Well, when you start throwing off the primary elements of that, as it has been done now, and not only, I mean. This started years and years ago, and it is off the rails now, which is questions like, okay, are we having children in marriage? Are we having sex in marriage? Right. Uh, what is what is the motivation to complete these milestones? Right. Does it guarantee outcomes that are positive for you? This is exactly what we're talking about. There, mm-hmm. the, What has been sold is, well, I guess just do this stuff in any order that you feel, and this is the result. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the results that we're seeing, um, one thing to pair with this is that uh, high school is is incredibly taxing on girls. And, and middle school and high school in particular, some of the things that we've talked about in uh, recent podcasts and even more things that I'm finding out uh, that that girls are struggling with anxiety, depression more than boys so that there's a much greater rise in all of the resulting conditions that you would expect, anorexia, bulimia, suicide, self-harm, and all these. Mm. Um, But that girls seem to be doing better with persevering through that and carrying on with most of this plan as we have discussed it, the success sequence. Meanwhile, men not so much. Yeah. That uh, since the incentives uh, are not there yep. or not uh, gated, 
right? Not held back, right? Uh, the simple idea is that uh, the quote successful men, sort of the men historically of every generation who are sort of the big man on campus, well, things come to them in a variety of ways. But for the average man, this this stuff doesn't work this way, and so the path is not clear, and mm-hmm. then men are not motivated. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, so that is an inner as well as an outer problem. Uh, and that's, that's why this is such an issue is that this is not unidimensional. This is multidimensional. There's, there's a lot going on yeah. here and a lot of things that are coming together to make this a bad situation that will not solve itself. Yeah. And I, I and I guess like, you know, I mean, we, we, you kind of took us there, so we might as well go there is that in our society, there isn't a a time of going from youth to manhood. Yeah. There's just not that yeah. moment, right? Yeah. I mean, Jewish culture does. Like, they have bar mitzvahs. They have an event, right? Mm-hmm. They have a moment. Yep. But for Gentiles, <laughs> for, uh, for, uh, uh, for Americans who aren't Jewish or from other, like, from other tribes or other types of societies, there isn't a moment of, all right, now I'm a man. Yep. Like that never really happens. Yep. And so I think, obviously, women, for whatever reason, I, we'd have to talk to women on this issue. Like, there's a moment where they realize, yeah, I need to, I need to persevere and I need to pursue because I, there's no man coming to protect me or yep. watch over me. I've got to take care of my own, my own stuff. Yep. I, I've got to be independent. Yep. Women tend to have that drive where men uh, don't have that drive. Yep. Even though inherently we're designed to do that, we talked about yeah. that a while back. That men typically to be risk takers and other different things, but it seems like over the last so many years, decade or so, that a lot of our our young men never. I guess they're confused, and they never. It's never articulated to them like, when am I a man? Right. And I think the world is telling them, well, you're a man when you've had sex with a woman, or you're a man when you've had your first drink. Or you're a man when you've looked at your first Playboy. Like that, sure. that tends to be maybe or what maybe they're taught, and then they go, "Okay, I did this, but I don't feel like a man. Right. Do I just keep doing this, then maybe I'll feel like a man, or right. do I keep doing something else, and then I'll feel like a man, but I don't feel like one. I yep. still feel like a kid. Yep. And I think I think that is a huge problem mm-hmm. that maybe as as pastors and churches and stuff, we have to start helping create a culture or traditions where where our young men can can at least be initiated yeah. into manhood. Right, and it's uh, a lot of the books I've read about this um, call for some sort of coming-of-age ceremony. Yes. Uh, you know, look, if it's a road trip, you go somewhere, yeah. it's just clear yeah. to, uh, to a young man or a young woman. After this, you know, I... I I want you to know this is the milestone. Right. Think about, I mean, another, engaging this in, in terms of the imagination is interesting too. You were just reminding me how much, I mean, even myself, but I know a lot of people have loved coming of age movies mm-hmm. in, uh, yeah. in, in this country. Um, so for instance, something like Stand By Me or yep. The Goonies. Or the Goonies, even, yeah. I remember hearing about the original Transformers movie that yeah. uh, the director had very little interest in Michael Bay, had very little interest until it was presented. This is about a boy in his car, which is another American sort of idea that when you get a car, 
you're a man yeah with all of the freedom that comes with it yeah um, and that we we have very much like these stories well look you got to dig deeper why do we love the stories that we love because of needs that we have and desires right. that it we reveals, have yeah we don't know when we're coming of age and one thing that we've seen certainly in the last 20 years is if we don't have times when we tell men listen it's time for you to step up you are a man now that number can extend far into the 20s right maybe to 30 that we since we've disconnected it from marriage or marital sex or any right. uh, any taking responsibility for a family well then who knows where that number is going and that that's bad for everyone mm-hmm. um, but meanwhile it, it still rains it's still this is the way that it is mm-hmm. um, and that's a problem yeah yeah I, yeah I think um, it, it's, just, it's just there's a, a lot there's a lot with this issue that just keeps pouring out, mm-hmm. right? As we keep talking, it's just more and more that. Um, and I, I, and I like that you brought up that about movies that we like. I, I even like. I was thinking that this doesn't usually usually go there, but even like Home Alone. I mean, you have yeah. this boy who's yeah. protecting his home, right? right? Right. And he's the man of the house, right? right? And no one comes into the house and takes it over, right? Okay. He's the protector, right? right. And. And so I think that yeah, think about how how absurd yeah all of that movie is oh yeah, but how much that movie made yeah. so much money yeah. it this is what we want right we want a young boy to make it yep against the odds exactly and yeah I mean that's what it, we don't want him playing video games while the robbers come in and take it back. that's right Wait, we that don't wouldn't want be a movie hiding in the closet <laughs> right you know right uh, I mean again, sheltered by his mother and even though his right. mother's trying to find him in that right. connection but. The it's not like he's hovering in a corner and his mom's protecting him. I mean, we wouldn't watch that. Right, right. It's that he's he's as a young boy is trying to be the man of the house. Yep. And I think that resonates with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So. So let's jump uh, down here. Uh, men in interviews. He says, "Quote: Men in interviews around the U.S. said they quit school or didn't enroll because they didn't see enough value in a college degree." for all the effort and expense required to earn one. Many said they wanted to make money after high school. Um, yes, okay, so that, that desire is there. If you are a school administrator of any kind, uh, part of what I think you should read in this, if you are concerned about this, is you need to connect the dots to jobs and the success Correct. in the world at large Correct. more than to the experience of college. Uh, it, it looks as if sales pitches about the experience of college seem to be working better on women than men and that no longer is it enough to say, hey, you'll have a great time for four years. That's that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and still, that is a lot of what you hear. I mean, uh, one story that, um, that I think should be told, uh, I went for one semester at SIU Carbondale, which was known 20, 30 years ago as the biggest party school in the country. Wow. And enrollment at SIU Carbondale is dramatically down. It, right. it, is, it is decreased by same something as, like Same it. as USI around the corner here. Um, yeah. A measure of something like 10,000 students fewer. Wow. Um, and... and because that is not what you want to be known for. No. Uh, the the Animal House era is gone. Is over. It's over. And as, as for a lot of people, college, you know, is is. Uh, I mean, think about if you did make it through some sort of success sequence. Well, college was fun. I, I got a job now, and I carry on. I move on. I don't worry about it anymore. And then you tell people, "Hey, go to college. It's great." 
That's not working. So yeah. if that's the Those idea, are people that, who are, can afford that. That's right. That type of saying. That's right. My dad sent me to school. My parents sent me to school. I had a lot of fun, good times, good friends. I got a job, and cool. I'm on. Right. I don't have any debt. But that's not most working class Americans, yep. and and I think that's where these numbers are. It's in those groups of people who are saying, "I just I can't afford it," or "I could afford it, but is it worth it?" Right. And and what am I actually gaining from it if I go? And you know, again, I, there's so much more we can go into this. But like, I, I have a friend who is who was a professor at USI, and we've talked about universities and colleges. And he he's a tech guy. He does coding and these different things. And he says that he wouldn't be surprised if institutions like Apple and Google and Facebook and other big tech companies start opening their own academies because what they can do is instead of having to hire. Uh, you know, grads who have debt or whatever, and also they're relying on other institutions to train their people. Right. Why not just do that in house? Right. I I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing more companies take on that role as as kind of the the educators of their for future workers sure. instead of relying on uh, USI or U of E or any other university. That they the, those companies didn't hire the faculty, and so why why do they want them teaching their future workers what to do or what not to do? Right, you know, and, and I would expect that we are in an era of massive change where you will see the educational institutions uh, of the past that do not adjust will lose. The uh, bubble will burst. The, the American way yeah. is that um, you better be competitive, yep. or you will be left behind. That's right. And so in addition, I mean, you're reminding me of just something that I've been noticing is uh, there, there are a lot of um, a lot of stress indicators uh, around uh, issues of sexuality, gender, all the social work elements that have moved into schools, both uh, colleges, what we're talking about, but high schools as well. And it seems that this stress is becoming more than a lot of high schools can bear. But meanwhile... Um, and institutions like Christian schools, which have a much more straight line in terms of their mission, and a lot of these questions are just predetermined, uh, they are able then to focus on education and do better. Do and, better. And, and as a lot of voucher programs have come in, a lot of these schools are doing well. And this is, this yep. is transpiring right now. Meanwhile, in my home state, uh, Illinois just adopted two weeks ago uh, – what I would call it indoctrination around sex education in, in, in regards to uh, gender ideologies, uh, how to support kids who say they're transgender. And, and look, this is this is dangerous business, but it's at the state level. I mean, the, the government is getting involved. Well, look, uh, thankfully, we live in a competitive system where uh, there are going to be other institutions that rise up and say, you know, look, we're here to do education. And this is this is way beyond right. education. It's not a social experiment. Yeah. You just drop kids into a laboratory beaker and see what happens, right? That's not what we want to invest in. We want to invest in education. And so we're going to, as a family or as a group of families, we're going to homeschool our kids. And we're going to, we're going to pay for a teacher to come teach our kids. And we're going to do a co-op type of thing. And other, other people, other groups, other institutions are going to start coming up with creative ideas because parents want their kids to be educated and they will go. They will go to hell to get them educated in a way that they think it's they want them to be educated. And I think you'll see a lot more creative ideas with school yeah. uh, coming down the pipe. I but, agree. Um, I agree. Um, 
So uh, he says here, quote, female students in the U.S. benefit from a support system established decades ago, spanning a period when women struggled to gain a foothold on college campuses. There are more than 500 women's centers at schools nationwide. Uh, most centers host clubs and organizations that work to help students succeed. Uh, young women appear eager to take leadership roles, making up 59% of student body presidents in the 2019-2020 academic year. And while that, you know, look, if they're 60-40, then it sort of makes sense that yeah, 59%. Yeah. But I numbers. found this interesting. They make up 74% of student body vice presidents, uh, according <laughs> to uh, Butch Oxendine, Jr., executive director of the American Student Government Association. Isn't it great to have an American Student Government Association? <laughs> we know what the well, dues are for that group. We associate a lot. And we, have we have a newsletter, and yeah, yeah, we have a guy <laughs> with a really weird name. Right. <laughs> W.H. Butch Oxendine, Jr., yes. Um, you know, so, so yeah, uh, uh, women are excelling. Uh, women are doing well. And, and look, we can celebrate this, um, but... For women to rise, I don't believe it means men have to fall. And one thing just very directly to say is that in the last 20 to 40 years, women have risen and men have fallen. Yes. Period. <laughs> That's what's been happening. That's been happening. And... If you don't believe me, re-watch, re re-listen to this. <laughs> you know, uh, and we've worked ourselves into a situation where it's not politically desirable to address that issue. Right. And we have to address this issue. Listen, uh, one theme that we've developed in this podcast is that we are all connected to each other, whether we remember that or not. Right. And if you look, uh, well, you can look at the prisons, but if you look at major crimes committed, you just don't want directionless, rudderless men. Right. Uh, those are the people who get very frustrated and commit crimes. And that's, I, I, I'm saying that because if you don't believe me that it's bad for society to not help confused, directionless men and, and, and to address this issue, we've got to address this head on. Yes. Um, You're going to have other problems. Yeah. Right. So, so that this is, I mean, it, it's, it's going to seem, I believe, in 20 years, trite to go, boy. They're going to play more video games. That is the least yes. of our problems. That's right. That is the least of our problems. Uh, those men will just suffer alone and be lonely mm -hmm. uh, incels, probably, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately. Um, you want to help everyone to succeed. And when you see areas where significant portions of people are failing, that they don't have the resources, well, you got to engage that. Right. Even if... Well, it seems strange to engage. Yeah. I get it. I understand it seems strange. Right. But you've got to engage there. Right. For the good of them and everyone. I, I good remember for everyone. reading, you know, Aristotle wrote his book on politics. And uh, fundamentally, politics is about organizing relationships in society. Yeah. And if the political class, mm -hmm. let's just call it that way, government, doesn't seem, doesn't think it's prudent to help a group of people uh, succeed then, or to fix a problem that is basically here, then that will affect the relationships to one another in that yeah, society. Sure. And then you bringing up crime, yeah. that issues, that is a political issue. Why? Yeah. Because 
It's a disruption of relationships within yeah. the society. Yeah. If you can't, if you're afraid that someone's going to come into your house and say your stuff or kill you, that is a break-in relationship, right? It's distrust. There's, a, there's distrust. Uh, there's fear. And it is, as a part of the political class, that is, you have to address that issue. Right. And you can't hide behind, well, men have been privileged for most of history, so it's not an issue. It is an issue. And I think what you're, I think the other issues that you're mentioning, the, the crime issues, the, the other, uh, the, uh, also less people in the workforce, which also affects economics. Yeah. This is an issue you have to, yes, there may be some criticism on the front end, but we have to fix this issue because it's going to be a bigger long-term issue. Yeah. And, and, um, it says a note to parents, uh, you know, in response to, say, the question, how far down this road are we? Um, for the first time, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and, and heard discussion that uh, there's a curious thing going on among uh, pediatricians that uh, for the first time in history, you are having uh, young men, 15, 16, coming in and saying, yeah, I, I have, you know, uh, a pornography addiction, but that's not the problem. Uh, I I can't be aroused anymore. Yeah, and they're asking for things like Viagra at fifteen, sixteen. And if if you can't get your mind around how big some of these problems are, that if if you have a young man who has seen so much, that you're talking about the idea uh, of an engagement with a real woman is not as desirable as whatever dark corner of the internet right. uh, pornography sure. uh, he's become engaged in i mean look i i have heard of stories of neighbors of people that i know who uh a a young man who seemed like a typical you know 19 year old the fbi shows up arrests him takes his computer and finds that he was distributing child pornography yeah um these things are happening Right. You should not be surprised that then that family who was completely shocked right. and said, well, we had no idea that this could have been happening with our son. Listen, if you have a young man who is 12, 13, 14, and you are giving him unfettered access to the Internet, he is viewing porn. Yes. Correct. He is. There's no I, argument to that. I, I, listen, <laughs> I, I know young people there, mm -hmm. there are questions of how much there are questions of how often um it it is it, the sex drive is incredibly strong and the availability is unbelievably high right so so you have that just know that so yes we're saying don't give unfettered internet access do not let them take a phone to bed at <laughs> 14 right that's foolish it's, your, it, it's, it's it is not wise well and okay so what so you have real conversations about this kind of stuff, knowing that this is this is a challenge. That how do you get to a realistic expectation for what a marriage could be like? How do you get to real relationships? Yeah. And, and oh, that years and years of healing. These numbers right here represent uh, struggles, the uh, emotional struggles, uh, mental struggles. And we've got to be engaging with these things. You cannot. Uh, this is about more than college, uh, and this is about men and women. This is this is this is a call. Ask the hard questions. Take the road trips. 
Yes. Bring up the stuff. Bring up the stuff. Uh, because this stuff doesn't get solved through, well, I, I guess I will uh, really try hard to fill out my son's applications for him. Listen, engage with this. Engage on many levels. Engage with people in your life who every, every young person I hope has a support group. Engage with everybody. What are we going to do about this? Um, because this is this is this is a challenge that if we don't engage this, we're going to continue to see higher numbers, more failure. Um, and when someone is, say, 25, has never held down a meaningful job, has no idea how to get there, has no idea how to get to a relationship, mm-hmm. you are going to have a very difficult time to convince them, let's just start the long process of getting you a job. Maybe you'll meet someone. We'll develop your social skills. I mean, whatever the, whatever the stereotypes you want to engage with, we'll help you lose weight, we'll help you this, that. This. Yeah. Listen, I, I, you, you do have to fight that battle, but start fighting the battle now. Right, yeah. I think that's, yeah. I mean, to a point where make your kids eat their vegetables. <laughs> uh, but they like, they just like chicken nuggets. Make them eat their vegetables. Because if you fail there, it, you don't even know down the road, like, what else you're going to give over. Uh, you know, yeah, he has a phone and we let him just, yeah, he uses it whenever he wants. He likes yeah. it and makes him happy. Yeah. It, going back to the not making your kids eat their vegetables, right? Yeah. It needs to start there and. Uh, having bedtimes for your kids and all these different areas I think are, are helpful, especially for young boys yeah, sure. to help them understand limitations that and understand obligations and yeah. responsibility. Uh, make them help you clean the house. Make them do chores. They, all of these areas you can start as young boys yeah. to help them understand, all right, there are responsibilities. I am uh, looked upon and expected okay. and rely. I need I, people are relying on me, and that is, that will help them, and that will stir within them that they do have responsibilities, yep. and that will help them uh, in this pursuit. And uh, so, responsibility is the pathway to meaning. Yes, so often in your life, yeah. and so uh, do not feel bad yeah. for driving responsibility yeah. in your children and in in the people that are around you who are. Who are younger, who you have influence over, it's very important. I feel that um, I know there are some things that I've been reading and hearing that would drive a, a, a big discussion about young women uh, in the future, um, in particular um, compassion fatigue. Uh, that a lot of the engagement around social media, the the big thing that's harmful is that women are seeing other uh, people struggling with issues and. Um, Women are, are more designed to then take up that struggle and to feel that struggle and then to find themselves struggling with that same thing. I heard a wild right. story about um, uh, speech impediment that mm. a, a, a TikTok uh, creator uh, dealt with that then literally hundreds of young women are turning up with because of the way compassion works it's tied to a particular word. It's tied to the word beans in this situation. It's a very strange story, but uh, this, this compassion idea that, that women naturally have a, a uh, not even an urge, but a, an uncontrollable urge to connect with people, and then they take up that burden, but then there's so many. I mean, when you are exposed to so many people on the Internet, you take up so many burdens. Uh, a lot of the, the strings we've been pulling as far as anxiety, I think, tie in here. So uh, it seems wow. like this is probably coming. But um, one thing to say is uh, men and women are different. And if you don't begin there, yes, they're, they're both human. There are things in common. But if you don't begin there, you're not going to be able to get to the bottom of some of these challenges because different things are happening in terms of the way men are struggling with the current conditions. Um, 
and the way women are struggling. With yeah, and we, we do kind of fall into that. I guess it's Hobbes. We're just like savage creatures all fighting for scraps, right? Yeah. And if, if that is the case, then yeah, keep pushing more men out of the university that leaves more spots for other people and other advantages for other people. But if we really are created in the image of God and we have value and worth because mm -hmm. God created us and he created us in his image, but yet created us different, and then how do we help one another in our differences? That is, we are created to help one another and to, and to provide ways of assistance and care. Um, and it's not a rat race. And it's not just a complete uh, um, just uh, wilderness of, of mayhem. Right. We're all just fighting one another for the same scraps. Yeah. And so um, good article. Thanks for sharing. And uh, I think the... You know, kind of these two parts, I think, the last two weeks, part one, just talking about males and just the impacts of, of malehood in, in our current culture and society. Yeah. So, um, But anything else? Is that it? Oh. All right. This has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future. All right.